This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. How do Americans view higher education? The common story is that people see higher education as an investment in the future of an individual. More education from the best university will result in high salaries in the future. In this story, the public doesn't appear. It's absent. It's all about the private good of higher education. But what if this story is wrong, or at least biased by the very questions being asked? Instead of asking if higher education is an investment in one's future job prospects, what if we asked about higher education's public value? Well, my guest today did just that. Noah Dresner and Oren Pismoni Levy, together with Aaron Paulus, conducted a nationally representative survey in America on views of higher education. The project that this study is coming from is called the Public Mind Project at Teachers College at Columbia University. And in this project, we are really interested in monitoring how Americans view education, psychology, and health. And we are really intending to contribute to the policy debates on these issues uh, by introducing new, high-quality and reliable valid data on public opinion. Their findings tell a new and powerful story. One of the things that's really interesting is this civic engagement or creating citizens is one of the things that is found in almost every mission statement of higher education, but the public doesn't seem to see that benefit. Noah Dresner is an associate professor of higher education at Teachers College, Columbia University, where Oren Pismoni-Levy is an assistant professor of international and comparative education. Noah Dresner and Oren Pismoni-Levy, welcome to Fresh Ed. Thanks for having us. Thanks for inviting us again. So given that there is something like $1.5 trillion in student debt, which would indicate a large uh, amount of private spending on higher education, um, how would you describe the state of public spending in higher education today? Well, public higher education spending is a little bit complex in the United States because we have both the federal government and then the individual states. And the federal investment in uh, higher education is mostly given through research and through um, subsidized loans and other ways of uh, student support. Um, The only real direct funding for higher education is through minority serving institutions on the federal level. On the state level, each state uh, chooses to uh, fund in their own way. And what we're seeing right now is All but five states are still spending less than they were spending before the 2008 Great Recession when we looked at when we look at adjusted uh, inflation numbers. When comparing this uh, to uh, the World Bank, we see that about uh, from the World Bank, we find that about 27 percent of all of the U.S.'s education budget goes to higher education. And is that the federal budget or is that just all state and federal included combined? That's all state and federal included. That's a great question. Okay. And going back to this direct federal spending, you said this was minority-serving institutions. Can you give an example of what that would be? Sure. There's quite a few different kinds of minority-serving institutions, but the uh, most uh, widely known are historically black colleges and universities, otherwise known as HBCUs. There's also tribal colleges and universities and Hispanic-serving institutions as well. And, there, you know, there are public universities in America, and there's also lots of private um, universities. Do both 
types of universities receive this um, taxpayer money either for research or for subsidizing student loans or direct payments um, to their budgets? So um, the, that's another great question. Um, all of higher education, as long as you're an accredited institution, whether it's public or private, has, the access, has access to uh, federal research dollars or other uh, subsidies, as well as uh, the ability to give uh, loans to uh, their students. Okay, and so and despite um, all of this money, this 27% of um, U.S. state and federal money going to higher education in education budgets, still a, a large amount of spending is put on the shoulders of students, on, on its private money going to higher education. Is that correct? Absolutely. When, uh, when looking not only um, in the dollars uh, spent, we're also seeing a decrease in the uh, per-student spending uh, by states on their, uh, in their public education. And of course, the cost of education is also rising. Tuition is rising. So uh, that burden uh, to students is getting greater each year. So, I mean, this is a really interesting context. So it's an increasing burden of uh, private debt or private contributions to higher education. In the post-2008 global financial crisis, there's been a decrease in public spending. Um, and then you came in and you did a, um, a national survey on Americans' views on higher education. So why is it important to study the public opinion on education? Uh, thank you for the question. This is a really important one. Uh, especially because in education research, we rarely see an empirical studies of uh, public opinion toward education, which is um, very ironic given the fact that education in most countries is the largest public systems uh, in terms of sp uh, spending and contact with citizens. For us, the reason that we established this larger project uh, that is called the public mind, uh, the project is motivated by two reasons. One is... Uh, we think it's important to monitor public opinion because public opinion uh, has been shown to have an impact on public policy. Uh, for listeners who are familiar with the Advocacy Coalition framework, for example, people know that public opinion is one of these streams or mechanisms through which the public express their desires, policy preferences, and others to policymakers. So, Looking at public opinion is a good way to look at what the public is signaling to policymakers in terms of uh, directions to go. But public opinion is not only important for policymakers or for policymaking, it's also a uh, very useful window to look at uh, the mind of the public or the society that we are talking about and how people are making sense of phenomena. In this case, it's education. The project that this study is coming from is called the Public Mind Project at Teachers College at Columbia University. And in this project, we are really interested in monitoring how Americans view education, psychology, and health. And we are really intending to contribute to the policy debates on these issues uh, by introducing new high quality and reliable valid data on public opinion. Which brings me to another point that is important to remember. The way you ask the question is really going to shape which kind of data you're going to get. And one of the things that people are really surprised when they hear about our study is they're really surprised that the public actually believe in higher education in the U.S. and that the public actually see uh, the public and private good of higher education. And one of the reasons that this is surprising is because nobody or people rarely ask the public these kind of questions. We usually focus on questions that are more about in, uh, return on investment 
or the or private good uh, in higher education, not necessarily in the public good. So one of the ways we are trying to shape the discussion is by introducing new kind of questions on the topic. So can you tell me a little bit more about these new types of questions? Like what did you actually ask? Okay, so um, we ask uh, three different questions. Uh, the first question is just looking at uh, asking the public to tell us what they think about public investment or how good was the investment of public spending uh, on higher education. Uh, that's a very general question and um, we can get into the findings in a minute. The second question we asked about five different goods that higher education is producing. And uh, I think Noah can say more about the different types of goods. Absolutely. And this gets to our question of what is a public good versus a private good. And before we get into these specific items, I guess it's important to give an example of that. For private good, so for instance, um, while we might invest in an individual student going to higher education, and that's going to have a benefit for them and in increased uh, access to jobs or higher paying jobs, that's their, that's their private good, there's also a public benefit. It's going to mean that there's, we know that higher education, people with higher education are um, less likely to uh, seek out medical attention or less likely to need social services, etc. So there is a societal benefit as well. Therefore, the public good might be, I'm willing to invest in others because all of society is going to uh, benefit by that uh, investment. Specifically in our questions, we asked five different items. Two of them were clear public goods and two of them were clear private goods. And one of them could be argued is a public good and private good. So the two public goods that we asked about were the scientific advances that benefit American society and America's national prosperity and development and the effects of higher education on both of those things. The two private goods that we asked about were the graduates' personal enrichment and growth and also the graduates' wealth and success. The one that could be seen as either or is graduate civic participation. And civic participation could be volunteerism, it could be also voting, etc. Obviously, there are some personal benefits to that, but society also benefits by having a uh, greater impact on the electorate and volunteerism, etc. Uh, the third type of question that we asked was about the public preferences in terms of spending. And rather than other surveys that, surveys that are usually asking for, do you support or oppose increasing or decreasing um, spending on education? Here we went more deep and asked two different questions. To what extent people think that uh, the government should increase or decrease spending on two-year institutions like community colleges in the US? And to what extent the public think that the government need to increase or decrease public spending on four-year uh, institutions, universities and colleges. So altogether we are having here, we have a unique opportunity here through this study to really look at um, different facets of public opinion on higher education in the US. So what did you end up finding? I mean, what is this, you know, this, let's look through this window into the mind of Americans in this moment in time, in, in 2018. What what does it look like? What are the findings? Great. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll suggest three main findings from this study. The first one is that we are finding, and that's maybe a surprise to some of the listeners, that overwhelmingly the American adults see 
public spending on higher education as a good or excellent investment. And here we are talking about 76% of respondents using the category excellent or good to describe past public investment in higher education. Uh, and this is really high. The second finding is that overall, similar to the positive view that the public has on uh, past spending on higher education, the majority of respondents also believe that American colleges and universities benefit both society at large and individual graduates as well. Um, and that's really interesting because we see that there is a mix of both public good and private good. Interestingly, and I would add sadly, the last item about civic engagement is that's the main issue where Americans don't see the benefit of higher education to developing citizenship and a civic orientation among graduates. So that's something we can go back later and think about. And one of the things that's really interesting about that is this civic engagement or creating uh, citizens is one of the things that is found in almost every mission statement of higher education, whether it be public institutions, private institutions, two-year institutions, or four-year institutions. There's this idea in the mission statement that we're to be, supposed to be creating citizens, but the public doesn't seem to see that benefit. Why do you think that's the case? That's a really interesting question, and I, and I think that that could be an entire research agenda. <laughs> However, I, I think that part of it is that we're, higher education is not necessarily a very good storyteller in terms of the impact that we're having on civic engagement and the work that we're doing um, to benefit local communities or the larger community, whether it be on a national level or even on a global level. In addition to not being the best storytellers, I also think that the incentives within higher education right now for faculty, particularly faculty who are um, engaged in research, does not necessarily allow for faculty, particularly pre-tenure faculty, to feel uh, as though they sh their research should be engaging the local community or larger community. This publish or perish paradigm that uh, pre-tenure faculty and even pre-promotion to full faculty are in doesn't allow for this greater community engagement. There are many scholars that push back on that and do this work, but I also think that the way that our incentive structure is uh, set up, we're really not allowing people to uh, truly uh, get involved in the community as much as some might want to. You know, going back to Orrin, you mentioned in the first major finding about how there was this uh, overwhelming or big, large majority of American adults basically supporting public investment in higher education. And you said that this was maybe surprising. Um, I, I'd like to ask why you think it might be surprising. So the reason it's surprising is not because Americans are changing their mind. I think it's because we rarely see surveys coming from the large companies like Gallup and Pew, uh, sources that uh, we both really appreciate and we use it in our research and teaching, but the way they phrase questions are usually more about um, attitudes of Americans toward higher education and different uh, policy debates or controversies on higher education, and less about the contribution or the, uh, the benefits of higher education to society uh, more than just to contribution to individuals. So when we, when we developed this uh, survey, we really wanted to capture the whole spectrum of opinions. And I think it's surprising that 
we didn't know that, that Americans really appreciate higher education because we recently, we didn't really ask them this question. So I think that's the source of the surprise. I also find it very interesting in your second major finding that there is this Americans are able to hold both private good and public good in their mind simultaneously. It's not as if there's some sort of contestation between the two. They can both simultaneously exist at once. I find that quite refreshing because it, it shows a level of complexity, I guess, that we are able to, I don't know, keep in our mind. Sure, but I think it's also a matter of how we ask the question. We didn't ask them to choose whether it's more of this kind of good versus less of the other type of good. We allow them in the way we develop the instrument to really think about the different types of uh, goods that higher education is producing. And was that intentional or if you could do it again, would that be something you'd change? I would actually repeat the same instrument again and I would actually add even more types of goods that higher education is producing. One of the, um, I think, good moments that we have with this survey is the, the amount of um, tension it received on social media by scholars of higher education, administrators of higher education, we got uh, invited to participate in different campaigns around the country, around public spending on higher education, because people really believe that for many, many years, we've been neglecting the full spectrum of goods that higher education is producing. When I'm saying neglecting in, in the way that we ask the public about what they think on higher education. So um, I won't change it. I will actually keep it and add more types of goods that higher education is producing that we didn't capture in this uh, first attempt in this uh, first survey. Could you give some examples of some of these other types of goods that you didn't include in the survey? So one of one of our colleagues from Florida asked us on whether it, it will be useful to ask the public on the contribution of local universities and colleges to the art scene in their local community. I'm thinking about institutions like Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, where the university is a source of art and performance like uh, theater and opera and music that the community can benefit from because the school is there. So that's another type of good that we didn't capture in this survey. Noah, did you want to jump in? Oh, I was just going to add that we intentionally made this different from the way that Pew and Gallup and others have asked this question that has really been focusing on this question of return on investment. Is what we are investing in or what you are investing in yourself in higher education and the cost of a degree benefiting you on the other side? Is there a return on investment just like when you buy a stock? Are you getting dividends afterwards? And we intentionally wanted to move away from that because that's seemingly where the rhetoric has been in the larger discourse. I would jump in and just say that, you know, this idea of return on investment, it seems, you know, this is closely associated with that human capital theory. And it does seem like it is so pervasive um, in the rhetoric and in maybe the way in which many people do think about education not only in higher education, but also in lower levels of education. But it's quite refreshing that your study is showing that, well, wait a second, there's, there's actually other ways to conceptualize the value of education. And people also 
understand these values and do, in fact, value all these different public goods of education. I mean, that's actually quite refreshing in a way to, to realize. Absolutely. And, and what I also have been thinking about is with all of this rhetoric that has been talking about return on investment and really negative views that have been put out both from politicians and from other uh, parts of uh, the community around higher education as an investment, if we're getting to see this much public good being understood, if we actually were able to push back on that rhetoric and give a better story about higher education, those public goods uh, the or the understanding of that public good would actually increase as well. Do you hope or do you want Gallup and Pew and the other large companies that do public opinion surveying, do you want them to incorporate some of the questions that you've created in this survey and use in their future surveys? So I think one of the main drivers for this project was our understanding that the way questions are asked in surveys reflect larger or broader ideologies. And here specifically, I'm thinking about neoliberalism and human capital that is really dominating the discourse. And so it's not surprising that the way that Pew and Gallup and others are asking questions is by focusing on the return on investment of higher education. So we want to challenge that and we want to offer the whole spectrum of perspectives on higher education, not only as a private good, but also as a public good. And I would like to see Gallup and Pew and the General Social Survey and other international uh, survey programs taking these ideas and incorporating them into this battery of questions that they repeat every other year or every decade. I think it will enrich our discussion and our understanding of what the public really think on higher education. Additionally, it's also how these uh, larger surveys are being distributed that add into this conversation or this discourse, the rhetoric, right? So when Pew and Gallup put something out, it gets massive media attention. And that further adds to this conversation. So if they only ask questions about return on investment, we're back into a cycle of conversation about return on investment, as opposed to getting into these more nuanced conversations about public goods and private goods of higher education. So let's sort of dig into some of these numbers a bit. You know, were there any differences in opinions between men and women and people of color? Absolutely. And, and we're actually seeing some really interesting uh, trends there when looking both on uh, spending, but also in these questions of public and private good that we were talking about. Um, we're seeing a difference between marginalized populations and privileged populations. So um, both women and people of color see the public good um, of higher education more than whites do. Additionally, we see that in terms of uh, understanding the importance of the public spending as an excellent investment as well. And I think that this idea around privilege is really interesting. And there's two ways that we could look at this. One is that those who are are more recently gaining access to higher education, which are people of color and women as well, are still understanding the benefits of a higher education and having the benefits of that access. But also, we're seeing how white privilege is operating uh, here as well, in the sense that those with white privilege often don't see the benefits that they're receiving from goods like higher education. Therefore, they assume that the benefit that they're receiving is due to who they are 
rather than the fact that they have higher education or have access to higher education. So it's about entitlement. I'm not sure if I would say entitlement as, as opposed to ingrained privileges uh, that society uh, puts into um, those who are in the majority and who are in power. Do, do you think it also has something to do with sort of the, the difference between elite higher education and more mass higher education, where before higher education was, was not massified, it, w- it was for the few privileged, and now it's, it's much more massified, much larger numbers of, of students or, or, or of, of Americans are enrolling in higher education, and there's, there's some sort of tension between those two ideas of how higher education should be sort of conceptualized and, and organized. I think that's a great that's a, a great question. I think that um, when we look at the public good of higher education um, and all of the societal benefits that we know come from having more education, the idea of wanting to share it with as many as possible and this idea of the massification of higher education really makes sense. However, we know that um, in society, there is a fear of spreading access and there is still um, ideas of supremacy that are pushing back on that level of access as well. What about any differences in, in generations? Do, do older Americans have different views on, on higher education today than younger Americans? So uh, we did find uh, differences based on age, but I don't think that we can yet say that it's a matter of generation. I'm more uh, aligned with the argument of a life course argument that it could be that the young, the younger uh, portion, uh, share of the population or the youngest uh, in the population who are those that have more experience or exposure or contact with higher education institutions are those who see more of the benefits versus the older um, uh, population that might not see it or recognize it anymore. So I think it's really a matter of uh, where you are in life versus a generation. I hope that we can repeat this study in a couple of years and monitor change. That will allow us to compare generational differences uh, versus the life course argument that I just made. So the life course argument would be something like, I currently really support public spending on higher education, but a- as I get older and I occupy different parts of my life and, and I retire and I'm trying to save money and I don't see the, the, the same value of spending, public spending on higher education. Is that, that's the idea of this life course? Exactly, exactly. Life course argument will say that uh, where we are in our life in terms of the role that we have, parents or grandparents in school or out of school, uh, in the job market, leaving the job market, these characteristics will shape our view of issues like spending on higher education. And what about the, the geography in America? I mean, it is such a diverse country in terms of urban and rural and farmland and, and suburban. I mean, do you find any differences between sort of the, the geographic differences in America and the views, the public opinion on higher education? That's great. And, and I suggest that we distinguish here between two elements of geography. One is the element of region, you know, East Coast, West Coast, South or Midwest. That's where we didn't find differences between uh, people in different regions on how they view higher education. Where we did find a difference is in the type of the community, being an urban or rural setting. 
And what we found is that uh, residents of uh, urban communities um, and suburban communities to some extent um, view higher education more positively in terms of their uh, public spending uh, was a good or excellent investment or by saying that um, higher education has both public and private good. Uh, in contrast, in rural communities, we found lower rates of this um, attitude. Um, there are a couple of explanations. One could be a composition. So who is living in rural communities? It will be, uh, unfortunately, or most often, people that are less educated than urban communities, or um, it will be people that have less contact or experience with higher education, and that could shape or drive uh, this result that we are reporting. Um, now that we are talking about that, I'm thinking about a recent report that came out, I think last month, said that uh, in the US we have places called or known for being education deserts. So the word desert is now used, uh, in the past used to uh, describe food deserts, and now we're talking about education deserts. It's places where people have, uh, in their close uh, proximity, have lower chances or likelihood of having a higher education institution in their area. So it could be that this proximity to higher education is also a driver to why there is a gap between rural and urban communities. I mean, in this very politically charged environment in America today, do you find different views between people who have different political affiliations? Yes, uh, political ideology, uh, we measured here by asking people uh, to place themselves on a scale between extremely liberal versus extremely uh, conservative with moderate or uh, middle of the road being in the middle. Uh, and we divided our sample into three, the liberals, the moderates and the conservatives. And we do find differences between them uh, with conservatives having lower appreciation for higher education as in terms of the public investment and also in terms of the public good and private good. This is not necessarily new. We know from other studies that there is a growing gap between uh, Democrats and Republicans or liberals and conservatives when it's coming to issues like governmental programs or spending on higher education. Uh, in other studies, we find very similar patterns when it's coming to other issues in education. And that's where I think there is something to be said about uh, which kind of media and information the two populations or subpopulations are consuming and which kind of narratives are presented to them on higher education. So given the sort of public opinion that you've uncovered about higher education today in America and the context of the post-global financial crisis sort of reducing the amount of public spending on higher education, do you think, you know, let's sort of read the tea leaves here a little bit. Like, realistically, do you see an increase in higher education public funding happening in current environment or, or in, the, in the near future? The third finding in this study was the link between public views on higher education in terms of uh, investment and public good and their policy preferences. And specifically, we looked at the question on whether the public think that the government need to increase or decrease public spending. We found that those who have more positive opinions on public investment in higher education in the past also think that the government need to increase public spending on higher education in the future. And the same with regard to 
the perception of public good and private good. Those who saw uh, higher education as having a public or a private good also encouraged the government to increase public spending on higher education. And that is, that's, I think, uh, is a very important policy implications for this study. If, uh, if there are policymakers reading this report, I want them to take home the idea that the public not only want to increase uh, public spending on higher education, but they also uh, link it to the fact that public education is perceived to be a good investment in the past and to have good public and private good in the present. Sadly, uh, in the near future, I don't see uh, that increase happening. I think that currently, uh, with the current administration that we have, the, there's going to be potentially less federal investment. Um, we might see increases in state investment. Uh, we have been seeing uh, slight increases year over year. Uh, like I, but like I said earlier, we have yet to um, reach, at most states, parity with uh, 2008. But if we look historically for a moment at um, post-recession, higher education often goes down uh, in a recession because it's deemed to be a, um, a spending that is flexible, right? It's not, it's not a required need. So it's one of the places that states can cut. Historically, after recessions are over, we do see increases in spending on the state level. However, they never really reached the level that they were prior to that one uh, most recent recession. Right here, we're seeing in many states quite a bit of a lag uh, between where we are today and where we were in 2008. So, so my hope is that even though I don't believe in the short term, we're going to be seeing the increases in funding that we, uh, that we need and that I think uh, society will benefit from. However, I do believe that um, with research like this and getting out good stories and with helping that people take on this research and use it to advocate, we're able to actually impact public policy and get to the legislatures and make changes on that level. So do you think that this type of survey could be done in other countries? I think it will be important and very useful if other research institutions around the world will join Teachers College and the team here with monitoring public opinion on education in general and on higher education specifically. Uh, the comparison across countries will help us to look at differences between countries where the government to begin with took high responsibility on education and higher education or places where, like in the UK where the government is changing quite drastically the role of uh, the government in terms of funding of higher education. It will be interesting to look on how views on higher education translate to other issues like uh, fundraising for higher education or the benefits of higher education. So I think that comparative research on public opinion on education in general is really interesting and important and specifically on higher education. Well, it really is very interesting and fascinating research. And I mean, I, I actually hope that Gallup and Pew will incorporate some of these questions that you're using um, in, in some of their future public opinion, because this is, like you said, this is information, this is data that needs to come out. We need to constantly be doing it to see changes over time and hopefully change some of these stories away from this, this uh, rate of return, this return on investment sort of narrative that dominates a lot of the, the conversation on, on higher education. Well, so Noah Dresner and Oren 
Peace Money Levy. Thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed. It really was a pleasure to talk today. Thank you. It was our pleasure. Thank you, Will. Noah Dresner is an associate professor of higher education at Teachers College, Columbia University, where Oren Pismoni Levy is an assistant professor of international and comparative education. Their new research brief is entitled Americans' Views of Higher Education as a Public and Private Good. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us on iTunes. It really does help. Fresh Ed is made possible through listener donations. Please consider becoming a member of Fresh Ed by visiting freshedpodcast.com support. Fresh Ed's producers are Sherry Yang, Yuval Devere, Hong Zong, and Lushik Waba. An original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Priming. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.